All right, here we are, five days till Christmas. Everybody ready? Yes. I'm not talking about buying gifts. Are y'all ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ? All right, that's what we're talking about tonight. Actually, that's not what we're talking about. Tonight we're talking about, y'all talk, y'all heard enough about Christmas, I think, so far, of all the sermons and everything. We're going to talk about being 11 days away from the uh, beginning of a new year. In the first part of the new year, a lot of people like to make resolutions. A lot of people make the same three resolutions that every one of you people made at the beginning of this year. What are they? Number one. Next. Stop smoking. Hey, that's that's fourth. All right. Next. <laughs> Next, get organized. Number three, do something about your financials. Clean it up somehow. Uh, big industry right now in this country is how many people, let's play a little game so I can get some of these bugs off of me I got going on right now. How many of you people have read a book by the title uh, Purpose Driven Life? purpose-driven church. Y'all keep your hands up. We're going to keep going until everybody gets their hands up. Anybody ever heard anything by the guy uh, named uh, Dave Ramsey? Anybody ever seen the show Biggest Loser? Okay, all this stuff comes from the same industry, and it's a multi-billion dollar a year industry. All of these things come from the same industry. But I, I think I might spoil the industry tonight. Don't tell anybody. Every one of these sub- culture sub topics within this industry are founded on some very simple truths think about dave ramsey and all the guys that talk about financial stuff think about the simple truth that they talk about you read dave ramsey's books and listen to his uh, radio show week after week watch him on television i mean he says the same thing every week and people are still buying his stuff people are still buying uh, i don't know any of the other people's uh, names but they're buying his stuff. They're listening to what he has to say. But what does he say every week? Very simple. If you want to get your finances in order, what? Spend less, save more. All right, think about Biggest Loser in the weight loss industry. I'm a poster child for the weight loss industry, so I can talk about it well. People in the weight loss industry, they talk about what? Every week, Biggest Loser, what do they talk about? Eat less. Move more. Pretty simple stuff. People are buying it every day, though. Billions of dollars are being made telling people simple truths. Think about these religious books that we talked about. Purpose-driven life. Purpose-driven church. Chasing a lion into a pit on a snowy day. Wild goose chase. On and on and on and on. That genre of book grew more in 2008 than any of the other books in that same industry, if you will. But again, very simple truth. People want to know what their purpose in life is, especially in troubled times like we're living right now. People want to chase this easy fix of what am I here for? Everybody's asked that question. Everybody in this room has asked that question. Why has this happened to me? What am I here for? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And you spend so much time reading book after book after book, getting knowledge after knowledge. And what happens is, is you lose sight of the purpose. Even though you've read it a hundred times, you lose sight of what the purpose is. Yeah, that's right. Simple truth. And I'm going to, it's not, it's not the end of my sermon, so don't get that excited. <laughs> but, but the simple truth of this industry is that our purpose 
is to bring glory to God. That's all there is to it. Now, how we do that, that's the fun part. That's probably where a lot of money is spent, uh, people trying to figure out, you know, how is Frank Wright a little different than Tim Goss? He's a lot different than me. He's been through a lot of different experiences in his life than I've been through. He has a lot of different talents and abilities and skills than I have. He has a lot of different um, spiritual gifts than I have. He has a different heart, a different passion than I do. All of those things are what make each one of us individual parts of a body, which we've talked about and we've read about and we've learned about. So the first step, when you're thinking about your New Year's resolutions, the first step I think everyone should go through is to figure out who you are. Figure out who you are and then make a resolution. Forget waiting until New Year's Day while you're eating your hog jaw and turnip greens and saying, oh, this year I think I'm going to lose weight. Because you know what's going to happen in February when you wake up and you've left that dream back on January 15th? You're going to say, man, maybe I'll just set that same resolution next year. Or maybe this year we're going to get out of debt. And you wake up February 15th and again, you're still doing it. You had not changed anything because you don't know who you are yet. First thing you need to do is figure out who you are and where you are. And then you can start setting uh, some, some parameters and some true um, resolutions. We're going to look at a story tonight that is probably not that new to any of you. Everyone get your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel 17. going to start off in uh, verse 32. Uh, Don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Wait, let me back up. Catch you guys up where we are right now. We're at uh, in this valley. Uh, You got a couple of armies that are standing there fixing to fight each other. They've been standing there for 40 days. And this big guy, champion from one army, he's been coming out for 40 days and he's been taunting the army of God day after day and he's been saying look anybody come out here and fight me I'll whip you then y'all are all going to be my slaves you're going to be the slaves of the Philistine army so the uh, Israelites they're like hmm he's pretty big we ain't got nobody that big in our army we believe him so we're going to sit right here Uh, obviously there's a lot more to it than this I'm giving you the boiled down version of it then a little kid comes up youngest of eight brothers he comes up delivering lunch to to his brothers and he hears this giant and he says who's this guy who's this pagan that's where we're picking up hey don't worry about this Philistine David told Saul I'll go fight him don't be so ridiculous Saul replied There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he is a man of war and has been since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes up to steal the lamb from the the flock, I go after it with the club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by its jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears. 
and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on and strapped a sword over it and took a step or two to see what it felt like. For he'd never worn anything like this before. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't go in these. And he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again, and he put down and put put on uh, put them. So he put he took them off again. And then he picked up five smooth stones from the stream, put them into his shepherd's bag, armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling. He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer in front of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. You come out to fight me with a stick. He cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the wild animals. Goliath yelled. <clears throat> this is a good part. David replied to Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the, your dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. For everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give uh, you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, he took out a stone he hurled it with his sling, hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sunk in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled out Goliath's sword from its sheath and used it to kill him and cut his head off. You know, <clears throat> I'm not a shepherd. I've never really been a shepherd, but I can only imagine what you do as a shepherd all day, what you have with you. I can only imagine because they tell us here that David had a sling and he had a, a shepherd's bag and, and a stick. That's it. Man, what are you going to do out in the field with who knows how many, probably a hundred sheep? All they do is sit around and eat, right? So what are you going to do all day if you're a shepherd? Well, I got a I got a feeling this this kid, you know, what is he, 10, 11, 12, 15 years old? He's probably out there like any other 10, 11, 12, 15 year old, probably doing some playing. He's probably out there with his sling, picking up rocks, knocking birds out of trees, doing whatever. He's also doing a job. He's also killing lions and bears, okay? Um, but be, besides that, I mean, he's doing a lot of playing, a lot of practicing, a lot of honing of natural abilities, building experiences. David knows what he's good at. That's why when he's standing there in this army this day, and God, uh, Saul says, hey, put on my armor. I believe, I believe the Lord's with you. Go ahead, put on my armor. A lot of people, when you first read this story, I didn't catch this until today. 
A lot of people think this story is about David and Goliath. Another thing his story is about is David and Saul. Is this the first time that David has ever told Saul no? This is the first time that David's ever had faith that he is his own man because of himself. He's going to go out in God's name and defend his, his, his God. Okay? So he spends time in the field knowing himself, knowing his abilities, honing his skills, gaining experiences, learning who he is and what his purpose is and how he's going to bring glory to God in every day of his life, live to do that. So he goes out today. Saul says, put on my armor. He does. How many people that have gone to a new job or looked for a new job or gone into a new uh, field of work or anything like that, how many people have had somebody in your life say, hey, you need to, you need to be a nurse. That's what you need to do. Because I always wanted to be a nurse. That's what you need to do. You need to be a nurse. My dad always wanted me to go into the medical field. I mean, ever since I was, now when you when you grow up, you need to be a doctor. I can't stand the sight of blood. How am I, Dad, how am I going to be a doctor? I can't stand needles. I cry now when I get the shot. And I'm bigger than that little needle, right? But it still scares me to death. And my dad said, no, you're going to be a doctor. No, I ain't going to be no doctor neither. That's kind of the situation we got here. We've got somebody that knows themselves, but somebody else that wants him to use his armor to go fight to fight. Ethan, my son's five. He's, I don't know if all kids do this or what, but he loves and has since he learned how to walk, put on mine and, and Kelly's shoes and clothes and walk around the house. Uh, dog was out in the backyard one day and Ethan went out to catch the dog or some, some, something involved with the dog and, and my shoes and it wound up with Ethan on the ground. Because uh, he just couldn't quite move as fast, you know. And everything, I, every time I read this story, I think about this picture of Ethan walking in my shoes, trying to chase this dog, you know, and he falling down because you can't do it. That's not what he's used to. The next thing I wanted to talk about: um, think about. The shepherd having uh, David picking up five stones. Why do he pick up five stones? He has faith that he's going to walk out and fight this nine-foot giant. He's got faith that God's going to deliver him from this giant. He's got experiences that tell him that God's already delivered him from bears and lions. Why do he pick up five stones? If he's got faith, why didn't you just pick up one? I've thought about that several times. Some people think Goliath had four brothers. So some people think that David was ready to take on the whole family. Right there? Martin family? <laughs> some people think he was ready to take on the whole family. Some people say that... Um, he was just, uh, that's all he could grab. He was giving everything, everything of himself to the job that God had called him to do. He grabbed a double handful, which a 12-year-old boy, five stones would be all, about all he could pick up. 
and put in his sack as he's on his way out to fight. So he's just given all he's got to go fight this giant. I think about another thought. When you think about leaders, um, I've read a lot of books from a lot of different readers, uh, leaders. And leaders, one characteristic that runs through true with every leader that I've ever read about or experienced, some have messy desks, some have clean desks. Some are really good at talking to people, some are not. Some are manipulative. Some are really uh, easy to get along with. The one thing that seems to run true and through each one of them is they're persistent. The Bible said that when he goes to talk to Paul, Saul, David was persistent. I think he grabbed five rocks because because of his persistence. He knew this was going to be a hard fight. He didn't grab five rocks because he didn't trust God. He grabbed five rocks because he knew the job that God had called him to do was going to require a lot of him. So he was preparing himself for whatever came out. If it took all five rocks, then it takes all five rocks. If the giant's still standing, he got a stick. (laughs) So he wasn't just prepared with five rocks. He was prepared. He was persistent. He has the the characteristics of a great leader. Uh, Think about, I'm a football man, so I can't really tell basketball stories, and I know my season's almost over, so I have to do this story now before people forget about football for the next six months. But uh, you think about a football team, think about uh, Coach Saban, who is, in case you guys have never heard of Coach Saban, the greatest football coach in the world. Um, Coach Saban has to be really good at recruiting great players. He has to be really good at strategizing a a game plan. He has to be really good at leading his guys through practice and getting them prepared for game day. He has to be really good at giving motivational speeches in the, oh, I've got to move back over here. The Tennessee fans are mad at me now. He's got to be really good at uh, giving motivational speeches in the, in the locker rooms at halftimes and things like this. But, you know, he could be the best at all of those categories. But if his players don't show up on game day to play the game, none of that's really going to matter. Think about the characters in the story. You've got the uh, two armies. Each one of the characters that I'm going to talk about, you're going to find yourself in each one of these characters. You're going to find yourself in the two armies because there are times in your life when you're just sitting on the side of the valley watching what's going on, hoping you don't have to go fight. Because if you're allowed to just sit there, you can say you were a part of the fight, but you can just sit there and watch it and not have to get, get into it. So there's your characters of, of the two armies. You've got Saul. Poor Saul, I kind of feel sorry for him. You know, he's trying to be the king. He is the king. He's trying to uh, protect his land. And he's got this little kid coming up to him. And he's been sitting there 40 days. He's probably ready to go home. He likes this kid. This kid's the one that makes him feel good when he's having a bad day for, by playing his harp. But this king... He doesn't know what to do because he doesn't hear God talking to him anymore. He, he's not getting the direction from God. He's, having, he's trying to rely on his own self to find comfort. You've got David. 
David's the hero. Everybody likes David. Everybody sees themselves in David. You know, everybody wants to be this great giant slayer. Um, so that one's not so hard to explain why you probably see yourself as the, in David. Then you've got Goliath. Nobody wants to say, man, I, I see myself in Goliath. I, no, no, we don't like Goliath. Goliath's the bad guy. I hate Goliath. The things I hate about Goliath, though, are the things I see in myself that I, I can recognize. You know, the one thing that shocks me about Goliath, being a man of war since his youth, standing out there 40 days, taunting the army of Israel, 40 days, day in and day out, he's engaged in battle. Somebody steps up to the fight. It's a little kid with a stone, you know, with a with a sack of rocks and a stick. He steps out there. He engages battle. He, you know, he's you. You want you want to fight me with a stick? No. All right. He steps. When he steps, a man of war versus soldiers. You step in a man of war, right? You know when you step forward, game's on, right? The fight has started. But what happens at the very end of the story? David walks over on top of the giant's body and pulls his sword out of his sheath. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the thing that we don't like about ourselves, but we see in the giant. We're entering war. Just like Tim said, we're entering, engaging into war, and we don't have our weapons drawn. How do we expect to win a fight? If first of all, we don't even know the weapons that we have, and second of all, we don't have them drawn ready to use them. If we're going to engage in war, we're going to be ready to fight, we have to prepare ourselves with everything that we've got, and we've got to go on the battlefield with our weapons drawn and ready to go. So he cuts the giant's head off and uh, goes back to the city with the giant's head. Um, I just want to ask you guys tonight if uh, if you if you're sitting here and you don't know who you are, and you're thinking about man, Christmas is in five days, and then New Year's is in eleven days. Two thousand nine was a tough year. Two thousand ten, man, I hope it's better. <laughs> but you don't have any of your weapons out. I, I just wonder if, if 2010 is going to be any different. Um, I, I just I would love for everyone in here to think about who you are, why God has called you to be here in this place at this time. As tonight is a great night. We're in a great time right now. There are some things that God's doing in our lives around us that if you can't see those things, feel free to come up front and talk to us. We'd be more than happy to talk to you about some of the great things that are going on in our lives and, and, and what He can do in your life. If you're sitting there tonight and you think, man, I'm, I'm sitting in a job and feel trapped, feel frustrated, and I've got just feelings of fear all around me, I feel like a failure every single day, those are all symptoms, by the way, of not being who God has called you to be. If you have those feelings, feel free to come down and talk to us. Uh, talk to the staff. They're going to be up here in a few minutes. 
uh, talk to me, uh, talk to anybody in here. Uh, we'd be happy to talk to you about uh, God's call in your life. I just want to close up tonight. I want to give us some time to pray. Uh, I want to have a special time of prayer if we can. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to call the staff of the church up front, and I'd like for us to surround them if you feel led to. Um, pray for them. Uh, take a little time to pray at the altar. Pray about celebrating Christ's birth. Um, we're going to have a special service coming up uh, Christmas Eve, uh, but let's make tonight a really good bathe in prayer for that service and for this week. Um, we've got a lot of people traveling this week. Let's give some time to pray about that. Let's take some time to pray about 2010. A lot of people have lost jobs. A lot of people have had a lot of negative things happen to them in 2009. And let's take some time to pray about those things and just pray that God bless 2010 and make it a better year in our lives. Pray that God reveal who you are to you. Um, let's just take a, a little time and, and pray. Andrew's got a song to close us out with. I'll, uh, you have your song ready? Mm -hmm. All right.